Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. As the Portland Public Schools teacher strike dragged on last month, we heard a lot about the class time that students were missing. The strike is over and the agreement between the union and the district includes makeup days. But even when schools in Portland or anywhere in Oregon are open, it doesn't mean that kids are actually going to them. 38% of all Oregon students were chronically absent last year, meaning they missed at least 10% of school days. That's according to the latest statewide report card that came out last week. We're going to hear more right now about what these absences mean and what's being done to address them. Sharan Klein is a superintendent of the Redmond School District. Stacey Parrish is the leader of the Oregon Department of Education's TAP program. It stands for Tribal Attendance Promising Practices. They both join us now. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Sharan Klein, first, what are your attendance rates like right now in the Redmond School District? Well, last year, uh, we were sitting around 61% of our students having um, being 90% attendance. This year, we've made a big jump. Uh, We're up to to 72% regular attendance. So 28% of our kids have chronic absenteeism. And our average daily attendance is running about 92.2%. That's a huge increase uh, in, in regular attendance in just one year. How did you do it? Well, it's a lot of work, and we're working. It's a, it's a, we're paying attention to it. We're working on it, um, and it's a, it's really not a, a one-year fix. Um, you know, as people came out of the the main part of the pandemic last year, the most intensive part, and it was it was an odd set of circumstances, right? So we had a situation where um, we were telling parents and kids. Stay home. Yeah, and if you've been, if you're sick in any way, you know, stay home. Make sure that you're not coming in and spreading any kind of disease. Uh, and that message stuck with people for quite a long time. Well, just to be and, clear, I mean, the message was stay home because we will bring school to you. Yeah. Well, not just that. Uh, stay home. Would be, uh, you know, but once we started with kind of regular school, um, you know, COVID was still going on, and we still had, um, you know, it still had kind of spiking cases going through. Um, we had missed that. You know, back in the time of COVID, we were, you know, getting new uh, mandates. You know, sometimes weekly about shifting around how we ran school. But even last year. As it declined, we had lots of sicknesses coming into the building. We had flus that nobody had dealt with for a long time. So we had a lot of sick kids last year, Mm. which really hard. And you you see a connection between that sort of society-wide, maybe temporary shift in terms of how at at, at workplaces or at schools, how we deal with with sickness and a a different understanding of of not spreading it. You think that has been sort of overgeneralized to become a message that it's okay to not go to school? I think it was for a while, sure. I mean, you give parents a set of directions and you're kind of working on it, um, and then you change those expectations. It takes a little while for people to hear that message and hear it over and over again. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that creates a problem. We also created a situation where both you know, adults and kids could do their work, uh, could could work in a place in a more flexible um, flexible way. And I think people have said, well, if you did it once, why can't we keep doing that? Mm. Uh, there's been a certain groups, um, both under like, uh, lots of folks, both under, you know, both adults and kids that would like to continue to, to work on a more flexible, 
um, piece. People have had a little less commitment to the idea of, you know, coming to school on a regular basis. Uh, we find that people are much more free about just pulling their kids out of school for vacations um, in the middle of the year as opposed to going on breaks. And so the idea of needing to be there every day um, is, is not quite as firm as it once was. Hmm. I want to hear more about what you've been doing to counteract that. But as I noted, Stacey Parrish is with us as well from the Oregon Department of Education and the Tribal Attendance Promising Practices Program. Stacey Parrish, according to state data, nearly half of students who were federally identified as American Indian or Alaska Native were chronically absent last year. It's the second highest rate after Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander students um, who were at 55% chronic absentee. What do you see as the specific obstacles that Native students face when it comes to regular attendance? Thank you so much for that question. Um, I want to make sure that listeners really have the context to what TAP is first. Um, TAP stands for Tribal Attendance Promising Practices, and it awards $1.9 million um, to 10 different school districts throughout Oregon to really assist them in addressing the root causes of chronic absenteeism with our American Indian and Alaska Native students. And nine of those school districts are geographically adjacent to the headquarters of each of the nine federally recognized tribes. And our 10th and newest TAP district is Salem Kaiser Public Schools, and they're our first urban district. And to really start getting into the data, you know, we see systemic issues, um, school system related reasons impacting engagement, and then really nuanced attendance challenges that are unique to our Indigenous students. And all of those have a tremendous impact on their chronic absenteeism rates. What do you see as some of the specific issues that are unique to Native students? Well, so much of our Native student population, they attend small rural TAP districts, and those small rural towns are deeply impacted by systemic issues, such as lack of affordable housing is really leading to chronic housing insecurity and homelessness at alarming rates. They're experiencing lack of access to high quality mental and physical health care, especially medical specialists, which just keep exacerbating long-term illness. I mean, not to mention just really unprecedented staffing shortages in those areas. And then our small rural districts um, with the highest number of, of Native students, they have challenges attributed to just transportation. I mean, bus driver shortages and winter driving conditions on rural back roads, like all of those are very real issues our small districts are, are facing. Um, and then you have some more school-related reasons, um, which we see that's often just the lack of Native American cultural representation in schools. You know, our Native students aren't seeing themselves reflected in the curriculum being taught or texts they're, they're being asked to read. And they don't often see themselves just even in their physical learning environments, you know, artwork, posters, signage. And Native students in most of our school districts don't have educators who look like them. And all of those things really impact their sense of belonging, which increase the lack of engagement in school. You're talking about so many issues, society-wide ones that, that have to do with race and class and history and poverty, down to you know questions of representation in schools. 
what works? What what do TAP advocates do uh, at the school level that's been proven to actually cut through this and to to get students to be more likely to go to class? I mean, first and foremost, the most powerful impact TAP has on on students is it allows school districts to staff a full-time staff member who closely monitors just daily attendance of our Native students and responds to real-time needs in a way that is very safe and and non-judgmental. You know, that really sounds like a phone call that is, hello, you know, we noticed your child isn't in school today. Is everything okay? How can we help? You know, versus your child isn't at school today. Don't you know they need to be there? Now they're truant, right? I mean, our TAP advocates all across Oregon, they provide rides to school. I mean, one of our school districts has a has purchased a van for this purpose. Um, you know, when you live in a rural area and are thrown just a few minutes off your routine, you're going to miss the bus, which is your only way of getting to school because you're not going to walk three, seven, 20 miles, right? So our advocates get a text or an email from the student and they grab their keys and they go. And small gestures like that are just every are just everything because now that student is only missing maybe an hour out of school versus eight. Um, I mean, I think about inflation has hit our Oregon families so hard and TAP family advocates can provide a gas card to families who might be missing because they just simply cannot afford to get their child there. Um, one of the big impacts of housing insecurity is just not having access to clean clothes. And our small rural districts don't always have laundry mats, right? So our TAP schools have installed laundry facilities in the schools for family use. I mean, I can just keep going on, but it's really these real-time needs and receiving them in a good way and for schools and districts to come together to address those that are making the gains that we're seeing in Native attendance throughout Oregon. And I should say that there was a glimmer of good news in the most recent statewide report card that the regular attendance rate for Native students did go up two percentage points from last year. Sharon Klein, this may be obvious, but what are the effects of chronic absenteeism? So chronic absenteeism has a, has a lot of impacts. We've got both national and local data on that. Um, right now, just at our middle schools, when we show the difference between a student who is attending regularly, so at least 90% of the time, the average GPA for that student right now is about a 3.04. Uh, for our students who are at a below a 90% attendance rate, their average GPA is a, is a 1.94. And so if you just look at just simply performance rates, um, we can see um, what's happening with that. And we're trying to let people know that uh, as part of our information campaign about how to be successful in school. But we see that at the national level as well. Um, if you look at the National Assessment of Education Progress, or the NAEP, uh, you hear a lot about uh, what's there. And so, for instance, for instance, a kindergarten and first grade student who is chronically absent has an 81% chance of reading below grade level. So a huge impact there. Um, in a, a student who's been chronically absent in high school only has an 11% chance of receiving any kind of college degree. Um, you know, ninth grade chronic absenteeism really is a, is a better predictor of dropping out than pretty much any assessment score. Um, we see a lot. There's, there's a whole lot of impacts that are just about being there and, and kind of being part of the 
the curriculum and part of the the work that we do. So it, it, it has an enormous impact. Sharan Klein and Stacey Parrish, thanks very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sharan Klein is a superintendent of the Redmond School District. Stacy Parrish is in charge of the Tribal Attendance Promising Practices Program at the Oregon Department of Education. Tomorrow on the show, a recent survey of Oregon parents found that more than 40% changed jobs or quit in the last year because they had problems finding childcare. That's 40%. We'll talk with one of the researchers who conducted the study about the challenges facing both families and providers. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva. The Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. So much of what we talk about on this show has to do with what's happening right now. But there's a lot of history behind these conversations. OPB's Salmon Wars podcast will give you insights into some of that history. It tells the story of one Yakima Nation family that's been fighting for salmon in the Columbia River across generations. Find Salmon Wars wherever you listen to podcasts.